Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, December 20th. I'm Desiree Frazier and for Karen Brown. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the articles of impeachment move from the House to the Senate. We take a closer look at how both parties might handle the upcoming Senate trial. And we hear from voters about their response to President Trump's impeachment. Then a special report on how small businesses in the Delta are using online shopping options. And staying safe on the road during the holidays. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. President Donald Trump became the third president in American history to be impeached by the House of Representatives. He now awaits a trial in the Senate to determine whether or not he will be removed from office. Matt Steffi is a professor at the Mississippi College School of Law. He joined our Michael Guidry to discuss the House vote and the political maneuverings expected from both parties as the process moves forward. The uh, Republicans have taken the point of view that this process is somehow abusive and illegitimate, that it's completely political, that it's divorced from the facts and the law, and that it's just trying to overturn uh, the uh, uh, 2016 election as if there would be some way to install a Democratic president and not just elevate the duly elected Republican vice president to the office. And so that conversation kind of veers off into this is just vindictive uh, politics, divorced from the facts and the law. And the Democrats are saying, you know, this is the culmination of a number of unlawful acts uh, by the president and that enough is enough. Early reports out of the House suggest that Speaker Pelosi is considering holding on to the the articles and not sending them to the Senate until the party leadership in the Senate come to some sort of agreement on trial procedure. What kind of calculation do you see in a move like that? I think that's very interesting from the perspective of constitutional law, because the House's role is to vote out articles of impeachment by a majority vote, and then the trial is held in the Senate. It is ultimately up to the Senate by a majority vote to set the rules. But the rules, despite their historical pedigree, can be changed at any time by a majority vote. And regardless of whatever agreement is reached before the articles are reported out, they can be immediately changed by a majority vote, 50 percent plus one. And so the, the the trial will ultimately be held as the Senate sees fit, uh, probably something along the lines of the established rules, not as, uh, as Speaker Pelosi would have it. And I think this is an effort to be part of that conversation. 
Uh, I don't expect her to push too far or too hard on it because the ultimate reality is that this becomes the Senate's uh, uh, pleasure uh, at the moment she reports it out. Within those rules is a is an oath or an affirmation of of impartiality based on, and this is something we talked about last time, based on the way both the citizenry consumes information, but also the access that our politicians have to mass media and the plethora of statements, both for removal and against removal from both sides. Do you see anything about that rule changing? Because there'd be very few that could take that oath honestly. I think that if senators are are anything, they are wordsmiths. And in that oath, too, is a commitment to the fidelity of the Constitution and the rule of law. And I could easily see a senator saying, well, I am impartial by nature, but but what I know now compels me, based on my fidelity to the Constitution and the rule of law, to call this a farce. And and so I I don't think that is going to give them any pause as they eat their breakfast cereal. I doubt they will. I think fiddling with the oath will draw attention to this dichotomy. What we hope, and I suspect what any of them would say if pressed, well, I'll listen to the evidence, but based on what I know now, this looks like a political abuse by the by, by the House and one which my constitutional duty compels me to vote to acquit. It will be a very difficult task for the the Democrats to get the supermajority that is required to remove the the president from office. But is there a win for the Democrats in the court of public opinion with this Senate trial? Well, there could be. We'll know that in the fall of 2020. Ultimately, with politics, it's we 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 debate, we talk, we listen to people shout at each other on CNN, and we vote, and. Uh, my uh, only hope is that turnout is high and, and and these matters are discussed and we get a sense of what the American people find acceptable. The fact that this is congressionally appropriated money that the president is manipulating in a way, whether or not you think he's doing it in good faith or bad faith, is that not in itself a cause to question the constitutionality of that act because Congress is given the power of the purse and not the president? Absolutely. And the president is to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And there is a procedure in the law for impounding the money uh, if, for reasons stated in the law if the president thinks it shouldn't be delivered. That procedure, of course, was not followed. And in that way, one hopes that even in the face of an inevitable acquittal, that that people tuning in to, 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 to discuss what they expect out of their officials, what they expect out of the president and discharging uh, Congress's instructions about money is a good conversation to, to be had. The challenge in this atmosphere is to have it civilly and not devolve into partisan bickering. As we've already kind of established, it's almost a foregone conclusion that the president will not be removed from office, that there will not be the Republican support for a supermajority. I mean, I've already asked you what what's the the win in the court of public opinion for the Democrats. Well, what is what does this result mean for the Republican Party going forward? It, it, I think it plays into the narrative that the Democrats are sore losers and that, that take any measure, legitimate or illegitimate, 
to attack President Trump. They that President Trump is just a victim of uh, uh, others defaming him from uh, Robert Mueller to the House of Representatives, and and if that engenders kind of anger and resentment by the electorate, then they've got an engaged and energized base going into the twenty twenty uh, elections. If things are play out again as expected, this will mirror. Um, 1998 and 1999, in a lot of ways, a, yes. a, a impeachment in the House, an acquittal in the Senate. What parallels and then what what differences do you see between what's happening here going forward and what happened in with, with the Clinton impeachment? The similarities, I think, are this, that, that, that the, there's a, a phrase in effect that says, when you go after the king, you ought to get him. And they went after President Clinton and didn't get him. And there was a sense that Congress overreached and there was uh, resentment and backlash that, uh, that, that seemed to favor the Democratic Party. I think there will be that element of that in this electorate. There will be the sense that, that, that all the Democrats are obsessed with, from the Mueller report to the impeachment, is removing President Trump and let's send the message that, that, that we meant it when we elected him. So I think that's the similarity. I think the difference is and we'll see how much this difference resonates, that there was the feeling that they were going after uh, President Clinton for being a bad human being, for being a bad husband, uh, maybe even for being a bad supervisor of a younger employee. Uh, This impeachment is about being a recalcitrant and law-breaking president in the discharge of core duties of President of the United States and dealing with a foreign country, and on the second article of impeachment, dealing with Congress. And so the difference is that one, I think, with Clinton related to his fitness as a person, and this relates to his fitness as president. Matt Steffi is a professor at the Mississippi College School of Law. More than 58% of Mississippians voted for Donald Trump for president in 2016. MPB's Kobe Vance took to the streets to hear from voters about the impeachment. Jan Peterson, a Flowood resident, thinks the impeachment is wrong and baseless. It's ridiculous. 150% ridiculous. Why do you say that? Because they have nothing to impeach him on. What There's would you... no proof. What do you think this is going to mean for his presidency, like now that he is officially being impeached? Nothing, because he's still going to finish out his presidency and he's going to get reelected in 2020. So do you don't think this is going to have any impact on that election? I don't. Um, They've been trying to bash him since the day he was in office, since the first day he was in office. And he just keeps going and he's doing awesome for this country. How would you describe the impeachment process so far? Um, Wrong. Um, They had no proof. They were all out to get him from the start. Um, And... The Democrats and that party need to be impeached. Eddie from Flowood didn't support Donald Trump in 2016, and he disagrees with the president's conduct. But he also doesn't see the impeachment changing anything. Well, I think that he's doing a lot of things that he shouldn't do. And I think in, in ways it's embarrassing to the country. But I also think the voters should decide in the election in 2020. I don't think we should let the Congress take him out of office. I think we should vote him out of office or keep him in office. Because it's just a bunch of politicians, one side saying what they believe, the other side saying what they believe. It's just nothing changed. Do you think this will change the opinions of voters going into the next year's election? No, not at all. I don't see anyone changing their vote. Did uh, this event change your opinion on Donald Trump at all? Not this event. Donald Trump himself, about 
the way he talks, especially when he's at these rallies he's going to, that really just turns me off completely. Abdul and Jeff travel between New Orleans and Jackson routinely for business. Abdul thinks the impeachment will energize the president's base, while Jeff believes the accountability of impeachment was necessary. I think what's what will likely happen, his defenders will kind of be, you know, reinvigorated. Um, if he's not removed, I think it will encourage the base to drive up participation. So I think it will be a large turnout um, for both sides. So we'll, we'll see how that election fares out. So do you think that he has a chance of losing this next coming election? He does. Uh, everybody always has a chance of losing, depending on how uh, your campaign is run and your, your positions or whatnot. So, yeah, I think he has a chance to lose. Uh, for me, it was about accountability. Um, you know, we, we have a constitution. Um, you know, when you step outside of that, there are, are rules uh, in place to kind of prevent us from being uh, a lot of the other countries in the world. So part of what makes our democracy great is that there are mechanisms that can hold uh, people accountable, especially people in high positions. And I think that uh, what struck me yesterday was kind of the solemnity uh, that the, the Democrats took with it, that, you know, it wasn't a, a woohoo party celebration. This was, listen, no, this thing happened and we were compelled to, to react accordingly. But what I think worried me the most is that uh, it doesn't appear anymore that there are ways for people to come together and say, hey, listen, um, you know, you, you just can't take your partisan hat off anymore. And I think that was on kind of this full display yesterday. That was our own Kobe Vance talking to Mississippians about the president's impeachment. Coming up, mall businesses in the Delta are utilizing online shopping options. A special report from Alexandra Watts. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Enjoy the holidays on the go with MPB local programming at mpbonline.org. From unique holiday recipes to holiday events throughout Mississippi. Never miss a minute of your favorite MPB local programs. It's all at your fingertips anytime, anywhere at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. With online shopping becoming more and more popular, brick-and-mortar stores have felt the brunt. But in the Mississippi Delta, some small business owners are not fighting against the Internet, but using it to reach more customers. MPB's Alexandra Watts travels around the Delta and reports on how shopping online is impacting rural areas. It's a busy day for Manash Dunlap. He's a UPS driver, and today he's juggling packages outside a Greenwood store that he says is keeping him really busy. Now we're seeing about uh, over 5,000 boxes a day. It's tripling, doubling. But we do get a lot of businesses around here. Like now, Mississippi Gifts, they're killing it. Mississippi Gifts alone is causing us to work on Saturdays. And it's not just the Mississippi Gift Company. A few doors down, Turnrow Book Company is also racking up the sales. Co-manager Elizabeth Hinckley is shelving books about music, Mississippi Blues and Elvis Presley. There's a definite uptick um, in web orders, orders on eBay, and in in in-person sales as people get ready to give gifts. Hinckley says the bookstore has been selling online since 2006. 
on their own website for regular stuff, and on eBay for specialty items like signed first editions. One of their biggest competitors is Amazon. There are 95 million Amazon Prime subscribers in the U.S. That's almost a third of the country. Dominic Trinka says for him, it's about convenience. It's really become very sophisticated because when you choose an item, you can scroll down the page and they'll show like items with comparisons. So there's a choice among vendors. There's price competition. Online shopping, really, it kind of offers it all. Angela Henderson used to shop online, but stopped after her bank information was compromised. This holiday season, she's shopping mostly at local boutiques. Boutiques I shop at, they very friendly. They help you with anything you need, especially when it comes to size, because some clothes run small and some run big. Well, put it on the wall, close it to the wall. It's a little afternoon, and Stephanie Griffins has just opened her store, Sippy Gal Fashion Boutique in downtown Greenville, for the day. She's making sure clothes and accessories are in order for an ongoing 12 days of Christmas sale. She's recently added a new payment option that customers seem to like. It's called Afterpay. It's kind of a modern-day layaway, except customers get their merchandise right away. Because it gives options for customers that may not be able to afford what it is that they want. They can just go online and purchase it. And with Afterpay, I think you get four payments with it. Who doesn't want to pay later? If they pay off their bill on time, there's no interest. But shopping online can be a challenge in the Delta. One study found that 16 out of 18 Delta counties lack sufficient broadband access. University of Mississippi marketing professor Kathy Walker says when people who live in rural areas or small towns can't shop online, they often travel to larger cities. They take four or five people with them and they all make plans and they go up and they do their major shopping and then they come back home. And that takes money out of the local community. She's working with programs across the Delta to encourage small businesses to use the Internet and keep money in their communities. One of the ways they're going to be able to really develop as a, a county and as a part of a larger community is to be entrepreneurs and develop their own businesses. And one of the ways they can do that is through using this online environment and having access to that. Back at Turnrow, Elizabeth Hinckley says when consumers go online to buy from local stores like hers, that money goes back into the community with programs like author visits to schools, community events, and investing in the Delta. None of those things are, are being offered by a big online store. So when you buy with us, you're allowing us to continue to be a presence in the community. That's reflected in the store's merchandise as well. Books by Mississippi authors, books about blues music, and Greenwood itself. There's a pride in the Delta and Mississippi at this store. When you buy with Amazon, they're not doing any of those things. So you're supporting men and women who live locally, who also shop locally, who go to school and church locally. But you can do that from home. You don't need to come to us to support us. In a week or so, Hinkley and other local retailers will take down the holiday decorations. But the money spent in these stores and online will not only affect the businesses themselves, but also the people who live in these Delta communities. Alexandra Watts, MPB News. Coming up, staying safe on the road during the holidays. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number one way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Walt Brinker has spent nearly 40 years helping stranded motorists on the America high, on America's highways. He tells our Karen Brown how he got started and what drivers can do to avoid needing his help. Well, it started actually way back in 1980. I noticed a woman with her hood popped up and she needed a jump start. So I gave her a jump start and uh, two things hit me right between the eyes. One was how relieved she was being back on the road again. And the second thing was how good I felt just having done that jump start. And I said to myself, wow, I've got to do more of this. Uh, and uh, the rest is history, like they say. And how many have people have you helped since then? Well, I don't keep a hard count. I know it's well over 2,000, maybe close to 3,000 by now. Uh, it just keeps on increasing. I go out When I get bored, I go out on the interstate and see what I can find. And uh, usually I can find somebody. Whenever I take a trip in the car, I'm, I'm looking for... Uh, opportunities. So what do people need to do before they get on the road? Many things, but the most important of all is to be sure that their tires are in good shape, that their tires have the proper pounds per square inch pressure in them. How do you know what that is? There's a, on your door jam of your car, where your, your driver's door, look on the frame there, there'll be a decal that says what the tire pressure should be. It'll be different normally for the front and the, sometimes for the front and rear tires. It'll also have the spare tire on there. I would say 80% of the time that I but I uh, encounter a person with a tire problem, the spare tire is flat or too low to perform. 60% of all those thousands of assists I've made involve a low or a flat spare tire. That is huge. Okay, after tires, which you said is the biggest problem generally, what else can you do maintenance-wise before you hit the road? The biggest cause for a vehicle just uh, cutting off, and people say, say, what happened here? The vehicle just cut off. The biggest problem, if it's not out of gas, is... Nothing more than a loose battery clamp. If you can, if you pop your hood and, and with a pair of gloves on, grab your, uh, the, the clamp to your battery posts. If they'll wiggle on the post, that means that if you haven't had a problem yet, you're going to have one very soon. So you need to get a, there's a combination wrench that you can buy for about 10 bucks at a, a car parts store. They'll be glad to sell you the right size. The, the, the range is from 8 millimeters to 13 millimeters. Most are 10 millimeters. And to tighten that clamp up, and that'll, that will increase your chance, that will decrease your chance by about 50% of the engine just cutting off. Yes. Anything else that we haven't discussed? Yes. Uh, when you run out of gas, uh, I advocate carrying an empty one-gallon can in your, in your car so you can go and so you either. Now, most state highway patrol will not carry fuel in their car in, in a gas can, but they can borrow yours, and on a one-to-one, on a case-by-case basis, they can go and get gas for you, or if, or if a, a Samaritan can do it for you, or you can do it yourself. But when you add the gas to the gas tank, I, I found many times, because you, when you pull over after running out of gas, you're kind of tilted to the right many times on the shoulder, and you add a gallon of gas, and the gasoline pools in one part of the tank and never reaches the intake to the engine. So the, so the, the gas that you put in the car doesn't get to the engine. So what I do is I open the, uh, open the, uh, the passenger door, I stand on the frame of the car, and I jump up and down, and I tell the driver to crank it. 
while I'm jumping up and down, the car is rocking left and right, and the, t- and the gas and the tank is sloshing, <laughs> and it almost every time finds the intake, and bingo, there they are, we're back in business. That's magic. That's low-tech. Walt Brinker is a good Samaritan, having helped thousands of drivers at no charge to them, and he's the author of Roadside Survival, Low-Tech Solutions to Automobile Breakdowns. Walt, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have a safe time. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.